Welcome to Depth of Field. I'm Rachel, and this winter I'm exploring the field of photography by sitting down with photographers, educators, curators, and more to chat about how they do what they do and why. I'm so terribly curious about their perspective on the craft, their choice of personal projects, and how they got to where they are now. This week, I sit down with a Kingston local, Liz Cooper. What drew me to Liz's work in the first place was her evocative portraiture work, which seemed to hold my gaze as I tried to decipher what it was asking me. Her photos are intimate, emotional, and at times bring you back to that childhood sense of wonder. So without further ado, I am happy to present to you Liz Cooper. Welcome to Depth of Field. Thank you for coming in today. Welcome to Depth of Field. Do you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. Uh, my name is Liz Cooper. Thank you also for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited. My name is Liz Cooper. I am from Kingston and I am the local photographer. So I wanted to ask you, I was taking a look at your portfolio and the work that you do, and I noticed that uh, you went to art school. I did. Yeah. Where did you go? So I went to Ryerson, so Ryerson University, formerly a polytechnic, so like a an applied school, but that makes all of the programs that Ryerson offer, like they they offer a lot of really great applied programs, so photography, film costume design, all sorts of cool stuff that you can get now at the university level. So I did the image arts program and in the photography stream. And it's a four-year degree, so I have a BFA. All in photography. (laughs) (laughs) I assume you learned a lot while you were there. I did, yeah, I did. I mean, I, I went to, I was 20 when I started there, so I was, I think, you know, 24, 25 when I finally finished, Mm -hmm. you know, so those are, it's kind of a party animal, but (laughs) I did learn a lot there. (laughs) So what, what does the Ryerson program look like for anyone interested? Well, when I was there, I think it's changed quite a lot uh, because I'm, I'm almost 36 and I was there when I was, you know, I graduated more than 10 years ago in 2007. And so when I was there, there was black and white dark rooms. So for black and white color, uh, black and white printing, and um, film processing and there was also a whole floor of color dark rooms so you could print color Um, and the whole building has been renovated since I was there and I haven't actually been inside I've only seen the outside as I've been going by and so I think it's a lot of digital stuff now but when I was there it was totally analog so I learned how to be a photographer only with film Mm -hmm. I didn't have a digital camera until after I finished school what was that like the transition uh, it was a bit confusing. I, strangely, I was really intimidated by digital, even though now I oh, there's sh- so many buttons. There's so many buttons. There's so many buttons, and so on a on a on most film cameras, there are on the very basic ones, you know, four or something. There's not as many. <laughs> uh, so I was really intimidated by digital, and I actually took a break from photography, kind of like a mental break, right after I f- I finished university. Um, and then I picked it up again, and then I pretty much shot digital exclusively. And now, even though there's this resurgence of film, kind of like there's a resurgence of vinyl, all the people are like, yeah, it's so it's so real, you know? So, uh, and I mean, I love film. Uh, I've been shooting film a bit more, but it's still really expensive. It's a lot more cost-effective to shoot digitally. But they're two different kind of things. They're pretty different, I think. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people are either discovering that for the first time or just, you know, kind of reminiscing. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, I think, equate shooting film with maybe having more control or being more in charge or it's more artistic or it's more difficult. But I would disagree. I think you can have 
it can be just as hard to shoot digital. Obviously, it can just be it can be just as technical and just as complex. It's just that with a film camera, you couldn't just pick it up and point and shoot at something unless, of course, it was a point and shoot and then you could. <laughs> but uh, you had to actually know something about film to make a good exposure. Whereas you can just buy a, like pick up a digital camera and put it on manual and take a picture and think or uh, automatic rather, not manual and take a picture and think, oh, turned out pretty well. Yeah. I'm a genius. <laughs> That's true. There are many more steps when it comes to using film cameras and yeah. just that. Even like there's so much behind the scenes that you have to do before you even get to that first step, whereas digital, you usually take that first step first. And that's a good point. And I mean, like to be I am speaking about manual cameras. If you can you can have automatic film cameras, Uh, but no, you're absolutely right. You have to take a and I still shoot film. I have a medium format camera that's totally manual and I still occasionally shoot film on it when I'm feeling like I've got the extra dough and the extra time. And it totally slows you down. You have to stop, take out your light meter, do a light meter reading, think about how you're going to rate the film. Are you pushing it? Are you not pushing it? Whatever. And then take the picture and then do it again. (laughs) Hopefully your subject is still just chilling there the way you want them to. (laughs) Yeah. And I found that with that camera, I'll often take pictures. Like I don't often take landscapes or kind of cityscapes. I'm not really, that's not really my jam. Uh, But when I'm shooting with that camera, I will do more of those sorts of things just for fun because... I'm slow at it. <laughs> and so I'm shooting less people. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what got you into photography in the first place? Where did your kind of interest? You know? I was thinking about this because you'd kind of you mentioned that you might ask me about that. And I can't answer that question. Because I started taking pictures, you know, when I, I bought my first Pentax K1, K1000, which is a um, manual um, it's a beast. It's a beast. It's actually, I mean, the one the one that I originally had was metal, and the one that I have now, which I still shoot on occasionally, is actually plastic. So it's so there were Asahi Asahi Pentaxes, which were made in Japan and they were metal, and then Pentax got so popular they were like, oh, we need to outsource these, and so they started. They're still just as good, uh, but they just have these like um, the the bottoms and the tops are plastic and they're made in China, but they're excellent cameras still. They're just not as heavy, so actually I think they're better. Anyway, I digress. Uh, So I got my first Pentax uh, when I was 16. And I think I was into photography. Like, I just, I always remember being interested in visual things. You know, I was always interested in drawing and painting. I was never good at it, which is not surprising that I then started to be interested in photography. (laughs) Look at these lines that I can make so easily. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, So I just, it's so, you know, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, I've just always been interested in it. And then, yeah, I find that there are, like, some people who really just get into it last minute, and they're like, oh, I discovered photography, like, two years ago, and I've been going hardcore. And they're amazing. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they just, they jump right in, and they just do it. And then there are other people who are like, I don't know life without photography. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say I don't know life without photography, because there have been chunks of my life where I've just stopped. Mm. You know, I thought, I'm not going to do this for a while, Uh, but I always come back to it always come back always come back interesting what would you say i'm just curious actually about about art school um just to take us back for a second did you get any like business classes like how does that work in art (laughs) school because yeah they might have changed the curriculum now uh and you could look up ryerson image arts program now and see what there is 
And if there was, I told you I was a bit like, I was a little bit like I finished the degree and I had a great time and I learned a ton, but I was also a bit out to lunch. So if there was a business class, I'm sure that I would have looked at it and said, I don't want to take that. (laughs) So no, I never, I don't remember ever learning how to market oneself, how to operate in the real world. Um, All of the people who taught us were working photographers, either commercial photographers or represented by galleries. Mm. Um, it was just kind of, okay, you're done now. What I can tell you is that a good, I know of many people who I went to school with who are working in the field, you know, out there, like that's, they are professional photographers. They're, um, really successful. So I think that Ryerson, Ryerson isn't really an art school, right? Even though we all got BFAs. Uh, it's a university that has a lot of applied programs. So Ryerson is, we did have critiques and we talked about our feelings and we talked about what motivated us to make the images and, and all of the underlying subtext. But it was also, you know, we had production classes that were taught by these guys who, you know, were like professional interior photographers who would use 20 lights to light the inside of a church. So we had those classes too. So it really ran the gamut, I would say. And uh, the people I've met who, you know, went to OCAD or NASCAD or did other courses uh, at at an art school, it's pretty different um, atmosphere, I think. But yeah, I think every artistic or visual arts or fine art program would benefit from helping the students figure out how to make a living later. <laughs> it would have helped me. Yeah, well, and and that's that's always my question is you have these amazing art schools and I mean I I didn't I didn't go to art school so I can't speak for that, but I just whenever I see uh programs that are focused on that, I never see a business aspect and I always think why is mm-hmm. that not a thing? I mean, not that everyone has to market their stuff the same because that's not always helpful. Um, but uh, just having like a basic understanding of things. Uh, oh, yeah. Would it would have be... been super helpful. I, I completely agree with you. <laughs> that's so interesting. Okay. I was just curious about that. So I wanted, to, you said earlier that you're kind of more drawn to people mm-hmm. um, and, and that sort of thing. Why? Like what, what, attracts you to people as a subject matter as opposed to landscape or abstract? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I ask myself that all the time. Um, I don't know. I think, I think at the heart of it, I like storytelling through people, even if I'm not telling like a super narrative thing in a photo essay, I think I like the um what you can learn about someone's face or what you make up about someone's face because maybe it's not what you think is going on isn't really true i just wrote a blog post a couple days ago uh um i put up some pictures that i had taken and i i called it addicted to faces and i think that's it's just what it is i just i'm like addicted to taking to taking photographs of people's faces and also um I think we're biologically uh, inclined to like the shapes that make up a human face, like when, from when we're babies, mm-hmm. from when we're infants. Um, and so that's why they're so compelling to look at. So that's what it is. I just, it's, I know, I know this sounds cliche, but it's a bit voyeuristic. You know, for me, I like to, I like to know someone through a camera, you know. Because sometimes it's different. It's different. 
like I mean I find anyway you have someone in front of you and chatting and and that jazz and you put a camera in between you Mm -hmm. and it's so interesting all of a sudden you know you either get um almost like a protective shield that they put up or they you know really you know laugh at the camera (laughs) oh totally you're you're completely right I had an instructor in school so when we were in school we used um a variety of camera types and one of the types of cameras we used was a four by five camera so the negatives are four by five inches um and so there are those cameras that you have to like put your head under a hood and look at the ground glass like uh you know western cowboy <laughs> cowboy style um and so when you are talking to your subject if you photograph a person with a four by five camera you speak to them like you and i are looking at each other now and you and then you go under and you focus it and then you say, okay, I'm going to take the picture. And as you're taking the picture, you're, you're, not, you're not looking through the camera, yeah. right? You're looking at them. And so this instructor was saying, you know, this is actually a really good way to take portraits of people, even though you might think it's cumbersome, because you're connecting more with them. And then he said, you put a 35 millimeter camera on your face and you're just this like shielded kind of cyclops and it's not very approachable. And I totally get that. And I've kind of struggled with that through my whole photographic career because I feel like I desperately want to make... Uh, photographic portraits or whatever that I take, I want them to be mutually beneficial. Uh, I want the person to like the photo they get or to not feel like I've um, taken advantage of them. But I I do feel, you know, it's like, I want this picture, you know? And sometimes they feel a little like, it's like selfish with photo opportunities. And I have to really be cognizant of the fact that people are vulnerable when you take their photograph. And you have to treat that carefully. And I feel a little bit like an obsessive collector sometimes. And so I really have to remember how people feel when they get their picture taken. How do you check that? Like uh, counter it? Like I I, I just really relate to what you're saying and where I'll look at something and I'll be like, oh, my God, like I really I really want to have this photo. And but, you know, you do you have to be like this other person is also a part of the equation. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How do you, what's the mental process when you're going through that? When I was in my 20s, I, and, and I was in school, and the, my, the majority of my photographic uh, subjects were just people in my life. Uh, just, I would take pictures when I was out and partying or with my friends. <laughs> um, and I never, I didn't, I just kind of didn't care as much, probably because I was young and sort of brash and like I didn't really get it. And so I have all these photographs and eventually people just got to know that I was the person with the camera and I would be taking pictures and then it became okay mm-hmm. as an adult I I I ask I just talk to people I say like can I take your picture and if if um and sometimes I'll actually set up photo shoots and I'll say hey would you like to come and sit for me I've been doing that more recently um but I have to be okay with the fact that if I see something that I want photographically. Mm-hmm. But by the time I've said, hey, can I take your picture? And then I take the picture. If that's gone, by then, that's okay. Because, yes, the other person is more important and their comfort is more important, you know, than any photograph. So I don't want to be this kind of like brash 20-year-old that I was where I was walking around with a giant flash on top of my camera blinding people, which is what I did. <laughs> you can ask any of my friends from that time. They will tell you that. 
I had like a huge flash. <laughs> I feel like that would uh, be quite the opportunity for some fun nicknames. <laughs> I don't think I knew, but pro- no, no one ever called me anything, any, no nicknames. They just got used to it after a while. Right. You know, because we were together all the time. I this really, I have, and I'm still friends with all these people, but I have this yeah. really like tight knit group of people that I hung out with. I have this uh, kind of photographic relationship with my grandmother. Um, she uh, will humor me for for quite some time because usually she's not big into pictures she she really feels self-conscious about like her her lines and stuff like that but you know I've got a very playful relationship with her so she'll let me uh take photos and she'll kind of act up or like give me faces but she'll go from like playful to like you know you get that scowl (laughs) through the camera like this is enough yeah 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 Yeah, you gotta read those you really have to read those and I think um it's hard. I've been at, I've been photographing weddings recently where people like I'm there, people know that I'm a wedding photographer. Um and people like guests have looked at me and been like, you know, get lost basically. And I'm like, "Oh, sorry." You know, and <laughs> you have to be respectful of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think in this age people are there I feel like it's getting even I mean, I heard that when cameras were first invented that when they finally got, um, were put into commercial production, everyone was saying, oh, cameras are everywhere, you know, and they were hardly anywhere. <laughs> and now I think people are more, they just don't want their picture taken and then put on the internet or, you know, there's all of this like digital privacy stuff that comes into play. And yeah, you just have to be respectful of that stuff. Yeah, no, fair, fair enough. Um, I wanted to ask you more about your experimental work because I read that blog post and you were saying if I interpret it correctly that you kind of were playing around with stuff in this instance double exposures but it's like kind of experimental and kind of not because it's it's not a new thing but it's mm-hmm. new to you how how important is that for for you to be able to explore uh, new techniques and stuff I think it's pretty important and it's something that I really shied away from for a long time because I think I was fearful like fearful of failure a fearful photographer kind of and as I get older, I just, I don't care anymore. You know, if I mess up or it doesn't look good, well, also I have the the, the privilege of shooting digital, you know. Uh, it's, it's unlimited, which is really lucky. But I think, um, like as I said, another teacher from school who's actually no longer alive, which is too bad, he said to me, you know, you, this has been done before, but you haven't done it, so... Yeah, this is good. You should do it because that kind of thing is different for each person who makes it, who does right. Like, of course, portraits have been taken before <laughs> they've been taken, they've been painted, they've been drawn, they've been like scratched in the dirt yeah. and people aren't going to stop doing it. Right. So yeah, it's important to do it and not get for me to not get bogged down in these ideas that, Oh, well, this is an original. I mean, that's, it's the thing that a lot of people get like worried about. But who cares if it's not original? You're doing it. You're trying it. You're putting your own spin on it. You're experimenting. That's where growth happens. Mm. And what was your creative process with this this last uh, photo shoot that you did? Oh, okay. So uh, it's funny. I, th- I thought about it. I thought, oh, I should do some double exposures. That would be fun. Um, and then I have this friend, Geetha, who pretty much will just be like, take my picture all the time. She loves getting her picture taken. She likes uh, – sh- we've done a, f- a couple of shoots. 
And she's very open, like, you know, that kind of like openness to the camera. And I said, I don't know what we'll do. Maybe some double exposures, maybe some long exposures, like timed. And she's like, okay. And so then I just, this is pretty typical for how I, like, I don't do storyboards. I don't, I don't like plan out every shoot. Um, I just said, okay, let's just try some stuff. And that's kind of how I do it on the fly. Um, Because even though I don't know that I would call myself a documentary photographer, because that has a lot of like rules. <laughs> um, I feel like I'm really informed by documentary photography and it's, you know, it's intuitive and it's happening at the moment and you're, you know, using your camera reflexively. And so that's kind of what I do in shoots, even if I'm in a room with a model, which I was on that one, just kind of trying things out, showing the person who you're working with the pictures at the same time, not being scared to show people what's on the back of your camera, which I used to be. Hmm. when I first started shooting digitally and professionally being like, Oh, I'll show you later. I don't want you to look at this. (laughs) Uh, Collaborating with them. You know, if the person's interested in sitting with you, sitting for you, maybe they're interested in how the pictures look. They probably are. So that's always a good thing to do. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I approach those things. Like it's a lot of intuition for me. Okay. And um, I'm, I'm getting that a lot. It's, uh, it's a question that I have that I never end up asking because people always say one way or the other whether they are following their gut or whether they're following, like, guidelines mm-hmm. that they're trying to... Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Like, if you're an architectural photographer, then, you know, you've got some... Pr- or, like, um, I don't know, if you're doing, like, very, like, intricately lit studio work with products, these are all... And these are the things that you know, we learned about in school when I was at Ryerson, these are all, I mean, of course you want to like use your intuition when you're creating the composition, but after that, like you have to have some like pretty hardcore technical know-how to like make sure it looks good, (laughs) you know? So there are some pretty serious guidelines there, I would say. Um, But yeah, I think it is a lot of gut. I bet you, I mean, I'm sure if you asked a painter or a drawer, like there's techniques they can learn. And then after a while, they just kind of flow, right? Like that flow state. Mm. Have you heard of that? Yep. Yeah. So then they're just kind of doing it. They're just in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And is that like when you're going through and you're editing your photos as well and you're mixing them together and stuff is, are you just kind of looking at aesthetically what looks interesting or good to you? Or is, do you try to impose like meaning or like a question on it? Like what's your, what's your process in that respect with this last batch, for example? So with this last batch, this was, that was like pretty much pure fun. I just wanted, it was kind of like just aesthetic and I wanted to see like what would look cool, you know? But, um, and so that's what I look for when I'm editing, uh, uh, a shoot like that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in her expression as well, because I want to see how that fits in, uh, but I'm not looking for like really intense meaning necessarily. If it's there and it's happened, then yeah, I'll, I'll probably flag that as something I want to keep. But uh, this sort of thing is kind of just for fun and it's mostly aesthetic. But um, I want to photograph my family more, my parents and my sister and her husband and kids and my my boyfriend. Um, but I photograph him a lot anyway because I, I, I was going to say I work with him. <laughs> I live with him. Um, so... So, for example, when I go through these images of my family that I'm planning on making, the, the, the things that I'm looking for will be different because it's hopefully I'll have fun, <laughs> but it's not just like a fun, like experimental lark. It'll mm-hmm. be more, you know, what do these mean to me? 
what am I trying to express? What were they trying to express to me? You know, that sort of thing. So I'll have a different way of looking at it. And in a situation like that, I'll have to ask friends of mine or people that I trust to look at the pictures too, right? Because the it'll be too close to me, I think, you know, because they're my family. So someone else will have to look at them and see if they see anything in them or get anything out of them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. I, do you find that really helpful? Yes. So I was really on my own for a while in, in like, in my own like photographic world, uh, living in Kingston. I didn't, I wasn't really, I'm still not really part of the art scene here. I should go to more things and do more <laughs> stuff, but I don't. And then I met Viera, who you interviewed last week mm-hmm. and we're friends and she has been, um, super helpful. Because we send each other pictures all the time of, you know, what do you think about this one? What do you think about this? And just having even one person who whose, um, you know, opinion you trust to look at your stuff is important. Mm. And to not always get positive feedback, you know, to not, oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah, that's that a big thing. problem, hey? Mm-hmm. And, and it's, and I really enjoy I think the support behind it but uh, sometimes you just want someone to like rip something to shreds <laughs> yeah we'll go to art school yeah <laughs> yeah go to art they'll school do it. yeah they'll do it lots of tears there <laughs> does your uh, package come with a box of Kleenex <laughs> yeah right uh I mean it wasn't it wasn't horrific but there were people who made I remember specifically a couple of people who made projects you know on like family members dying like really personal stuff um, and they would just be crying through the whole critique anyway because they were sad. Mm. And then other times, and I had terrible critiques too. We all did. It'd just be like, well, this isn't very good. You should probably do some more work. <laughs> you know, like it's not any good. Yeah. And it's important to hear that. Yeah. Well, hey, that's 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 what you're paying for. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's really nice to have a community because I, I mean – personally maybe this is just my experience but um the type of photography that I generally engage in is a very um kind of lone wolf sport uh you know I you know enjoy going off and doing things by myself and I find that I can't necessarily be around people who you know who aren't my subjects one respect or another um because I find it too distracting so Mm -hmm. it's kind of nice just to have a wall to bounce your thoughts off of. Oh, totally. Yeah. Having people around when you're, when you're doing something, especially if you're, say, if you're shooting a person or if you just like to be by yourself when you're making photographs, I completely understand that. But like showing them to people and having them say, that's no good or that's really cool. Maybe try and do more of that or what were you doing there? That's really important. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I don't know if it really exists here in Kingston. No, you can tell me because I'm not involved in anything. Yeah, (laughs) no, no. I well, I'm curious. I mean, that's that's part of my reason for starting this was uh, I wanted to know more about the 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 scene here and Mm -hmm. um and talk to different photographers who did different things because um there are so many different genres and just like you know interests and 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 motivations in in this field. It just it's not all going to overlap. So I just mean in the sense that it's. It's almost hard to to network, you know, if you're not meeting. (laughs) Yeah, it is. If you're not meeting people. Totally. So despite, you know, that you can just kind of go off and do your own thing and or shoot your friends. By the way, I wanted to say there's this one photo of your friend that I really, really like. I don't think it was a part of this last 
uh, session because I, I feel like I recognize it from before. Oh, but yeah, I've shot her a couple times. Yeah, she, um, it's a black and white and, or grayscale anyway, and, and she has her hair up in a bun and her eyes are closed. Oh, that's a different friend. Oh, okay. But they both have red hair and freckles. Okay. So, no, but I, I, I was looking at pictures of them and I thought, oh, it's funny that both of these people who've let me photograph them a lot recently both have fair skin and red hair and freckles. Okay. Yes, I know the picture you're talking about. I was just looking at it today. I love that photo. Oh, well, thank you. I, I don't know what it is about it. I think um, I was trying to figure it out. I was staring at it. I was like, why do I like this photo so much? And how come I find it so different from some of these other photos that you have where your subject is looking at the camera or looking away? Because there's there's a vulnerability with, with your subject just staring into the camera. You know, you, you, you see them. Mm-hmm. And, but I thought that having um, your your friend close their eyes was a totally different vulnerability of them just saying, this isn't a two-way mm-hmm. mirror. You know, this is, you can see me mm-hmm. and I have nothing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of in myself, but um I I just really like that photo. Did you was that a part of a series or did you were yeah, you just I, so there's like a whole I I often put things on a blog because I'm like oh put it on a blog that's how people will see it and then like nothing happens but they just go on there. Um, so what's interesting about that? I never said oh close your eyes and I'm gonna take a picture of you with your eyes closed. I probably did a couple of things like asked her to sit in a specific place and we chat because I talk like a maniac through the whole thing. And then I'll be like, okay, let's not talk for just one minute. And then I'll take pictures. But I talk through the whole thing. So people are expressing themselves and they're making faces and they might be like talking and they might just close their eyes, right? So I'm sure I did not give a like, hey, close your eyes. So there's a good chance that I took that picture in a, like I was clicking. I don't ever put my camera on super burst mode, whatever it is, but I I I have to depress for every shutter click. So there's a good chance that she just happened to close her eyes when I took a picture. And then when I was editing, so this is a good example of when I'm going through the editing process of looking through all the images I've taken during that shoot. And I see this picture with her eyes closed. And I thought, oh, that speaks to me in some way. I'm going to keep it. So that's probably how that went down, you know. And I think that it's kind of having, so having a conversation and hanging out with someone is, is what a photo shoot with me is like. And that's a family shoot that's like at a wedding. Basically, it's probably like I just have to tell people that. I'm like, I talk a lot through all of these things because I'm a talker, you know, and I like to get to know people. So it's like a process of getting to know someone. And then I pull from it what I find interesting. Does that make sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just, you spurred on so many questions. (laughs) And I'm trying to decide uh, in which order I should go. No, um... Yeah, yeah, no, it's, 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 it is, it's very gut instinct where you're like, that's, you know, I feel emotions with that and I I want to, or, or a question has arisen or whatever. Yeah, or something's happening there and I don't really know what. I had a pr- another professor in school because I had lots of really good instructors. Uh, they were great. And I, maybe I kind of miss that now that I think like thinking back to it and kind of thinking about it right now. Um, and I had one instructor who's a great photographer and he, man, he could look at your pictures and be like, no, it could be a picture of a brick wall practically. And he would know that you were depressed and like, couldn't pay your rent last month or something. Like he was so intuitive and really smart. And, um, 
he, I remember I had a picture of my friend. Uh, she was just like wearing a pink dress and standing on the side of the road and looking at me and I took the picture and he just, he was looking over my shoulder while I was printing it, like it came out of the machine. He said, oh, there's, there's something there. And that's all he said. And that's sometimes all you can say. There's something there. There's right. something compelling in there, in their expression or what they're doing that is striking and it makes someone stop and want to look at it. That's a good way to phrase it. I like that. Mm-hmm. Dig, dig a little deeper. Yeah, there's something something there. Um, so how do you how do you edit your work? I'm always curious about how other people go through and make their selections. Like, do you just do you always just go with your gut to see like how you feel about things, or are there beyond that? Do you still have like criteria that you want to meet? Well, it depends on. So, if say if it's for a client. Um, like a, so I do family photography and weddings and starting to do more headshots, like kind of professional headshots, non-corporate professional headshots. How about that? Um, so it depends. If it's for a client, I look for things that I think are like beautiful and interesting and, you know, quote unquote, there's something there. But if I also look for, oh, look at that nice picture of her and her mom and they're smiling sweetly. And even if I don't love the photo because maybe it's not edgy or cool enough or there's not enough of something there. Mm-hmm. I'll include that because they'll like it, you know, and it's a nice picture and they're paying me to do a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, so client work is, is half gut, half wait. Actually that maybe that picture is not as exciting to me, but they'll really like it. So that'll go into, it still has to be a good photograph. It still has to like meet a bunch of like technical and compositional criteria, mm-hmm. but you know, so those decisions are different. If it's work that's just for fun, it's mostly gut. But what I do do, do you have Photo Mechanic? No. So it's relatively inexpensive. I think Vera shared hers with mine, maybe. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, it's not a very expensive program, but it allows you to load up law or raw images really fast and just like scroll through them. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you upload them through Lightroom or just whatever in whatever other software, they're really large files and they're hard to go through really quickly. Yeah. So I'll go through Photo Mechanic and just be like, scroll, 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 click, 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 and and it'll be very intuitive and very gut. Uh, I'll be really going with my gut, but then I always look at it again later, like a couple days later, mm. and then I uh, you know I have a fresh pair of eyes. Yeah, give yourself some distance, some time. Exactly, that's important. Um, you so you were saying uh, that uh, you and uh, Viera do some work together, um, or at least you you kind of bounce your photos off of each other. Yeah, and, and we shoot weddings together too. Right. Yeah. Right. If, if a wedding's like big enough and it needs, we'll we'll like we shoot weddings together and yeah, we did like uh, we did a project last summer where we ran up to people on the street who were couples and took pictures of them and then sent them to them. Is that quirk, quirky love? Quirky love, yeah. Right. It was fun. It was all Viera. Viera's way gutsier than I am. <laughs> She'd be like, go, oh, that person. And I'd be like, oh, I'm too shy. And she'd be like, gone. And just be like, hey, can we take a picture? Can you explain the premise for our listeners? So, I mean, it's really hard to kind of, if you're a photographer and you want people to know about your work and you want people to say, hey, they're great. I want them to take my headshots or my photograph my wedding or, or it is so hard to get your work out there and there's also a ton of great photographers 
all over the place, even more so now that with digital because it's more accessible. So the competition is very stiff. You got to wade through all these people. And so honestly, we were just talking about like ways to kind of make our mark and, you know, get people to kind of know who we were. And Vieira said, we should just go and do this crazy thing where we, except to her, it wasn't crazy. It was just, you know, good sense. And she was right. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, and that was really fun. And it was, it, I learned like more about shooting people, you know, you have five minutes with them and you don't know them at all. And you're on a street corner. It was super fun. Uh, and it was a great way for us to kind of get to know each other and work together more. It was really cool. Mm. I like doing it a lot. Um, but that's not your only collaboration. You also do, was it Shoot Your Kids? Oh, Shoot Your Kids. Yeah. 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 With Cat London. So we get, we totally, like 99% of people love that, uh, title. And then every time we have a workshop, there's always one person on Facebook who's like, I think you should rethink that name. I don't think it's very nice. I'm like, well, we mean with a camera, not with a gun. So yeah. it's hilarious. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, and actually Kat and I are just working. Kat had a baby and did a bunch of house renovations. So we hadn't done, we haven't done a workshop in like maybe 18 months, okay. but we're just announcing a bunch of new workshops. So yeah, it's, so that's all about teaching people how to take better pictures of their kids and how to use their cameras basically. How often are you hoping to do these workshops? We have four scheduled right now. Wow. We have them on our website. Uh, so we've, we used to just have offered just one kind, but mm -hmm. now we thought that was like a lot of information in one go. So we've broken them up into two, kind of two big, uh, one beginner one and one kind of more advanced one. So the workshops we have scheduled right now are two of the beginner ones and then two of the more advanced ones. Okay. Yeah. And you just like someone can come in with whatever camera they have, whether it be their, their phone, their point and shoot, or maybe they just got a new DSLR because things are exciting. <laughs> they can. I mean, point and shoots are harder because say for the, the first one, actually, like most of, for most of the material, we're presuming that you're trying to learn how to use a DSLR because mm -hmm. a lot of people are getting them for presents and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the really good... Uh, entry-level ones. They'll They're get pretty cheap these days. Like. You can get a decent camera, like entry-level for, you know, not a crazy amount of money. <laughs> I mean, it's still, you know, even if it's a thousand dollars, that's a lot of money. But you can also buy, you know, like a Nikon D810 for $4,500. So. You, you can buy like a phone for the price that you can get like a... You can buy, a, you can buy an iPhone. Camera. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So yeah, we are kind of assuming that people have DSLRs because we t we're going to be teaching them about the exposure triangle and like depth of field <laughs> and um, things like that. Things that you can't really affect uh, or change on your cell phone. Mm. Um, but so yeah, we do have cell phone tips too in our, in the like workbook that you get if all you have is a cell phone. And so do people come away with it with like just a better understanding that they can kind of practice with? Yeah. Or like, yeah. Yeah. So we've revamped the workshops after I think we held four or five before. I can't remember because we're still pretty new at this. Mm -hmm. um, we've revamped them to make them hopefully more accessible and give there'll be hands on shooting experience in each workshop now with actual models. Um, so then people can we can talk to them about taking the picture and then looking at the picture and talking about why it worked or why it didn't work. Wow. That's so exciting. What a great idea. Yeah. How, how did you guys come up with this? So it was all, um, Kat approached me cause Kat's also a photographer. She's a headshot photographer and a stock photographer. She's like a woman of many talents. She's also 
a book editor. <laughs> I noticed that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she does lots of stuff. So she said, hey, we should do these workshops. You know, we so she's predominantly studio. I mostly shoot kind of, quote unquote, in the, the real world. But um, so I do a lot of kind of documentary style work. Uh, she said, we have two different ways of approaching photography. We should do these workshops. And so we talked about it and figured it out and gave the first bunch, as I said, before she had her third baby. And now we're ready to start again. Wow, that's really cool. I'm yeah. I'm uh, curious to to see where that goes. Me too. Um, so I wanted to ask you about your your blog. Um, many photographers uh, keep a blog, and I and I have to say I'm uh, this question is slightly influenced by uh, I read uh, Viara's blog on blogging, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I thought it was really really good. I sent it to my friend as well because she really likes to write. And, um, and essentially, Viara, for those who are listening, she kind of asked the question, like, why are we blog? Do people read the blogs? Yeah. What kind of information is the audience, you know, gleaning from this that they can't get anywhere else? And is, is that the reason why I blog? And I thought it was really, really interesting because, you know, personally, I, I kind of almost like to, to write just to reflect a little mm-hmm. bit and get my ideas out and you blog every once in a while on a, a thought or two I believe yeah and uh, I'm just curious what what your process is and why you blog and so first I, I didn't know anything about trying to be a professional photographer because you know I would love to do more like that's what every photographer wants right you get paid to do something you love and so you know people tell you oh well if you want to have uh, really high SEO, search engine optimization, you know, you want to be indexed on Google, you've got a blog, so you're adding new content all the time. And so I thought, oh, okay, I, I should do that. But in reality, like, okay, fine, I guess it does help in that way. But I think really it is what you just said. It's a way to reflect. It's a It's a place to put your stuff that you've created even if it's not completely finished, you know, it's like an unfinished project or an unfinished thought, you've created some stuff, whether it be written work or visual work, and you've put it there and it's there. And until you delete your website or stop paying the bill, (laughs) like it's there and you can go back and look at it, which I do sometimes, which is actually really useful. And now I think at the beginning, because I had no idea what I was doing, my first few blog posts are really like, hi, I'm a, I'm a photographer, hire me to do things. And my blog posts are now less about that and more like, here are some pictures I took. You know, it's it's more just like a uh, like an online diary, essentially, of, of photographs. It's like a journal. That's how I kind of look at it now. And I mean, I have literally no clue who looks at my blog. No, I mean, there's very rarely very rarely any comments on it Mm. um i it could just be going into the ether i presume no one is looking at it for by at this point it's just for me yeah you know um every once in a while i'll see a comment and i'll be like whoa and then like one time it was my mom you know and which is very nice (laughs) hey mom thanks (laughs) so really right like at this point it's for me you know uh and doing shoots with friends and like having these conversations with people is like a way for me to get to know them. And then I take pictures and it's all in all a positive experience and I want it to be positive for them too. Hmm. How do you connect with a subject? What is your particular approach? I mean, you were talking about how you're, you're very chatty. And so 
uh, I don't know if that's a one-way chat or... <laughs> Uh, well, I try and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. That's what I try and do. I'm not an expert at it. I, I'm I'm pretty new to, like, non-documentary style shoots. So, like, kind of just shooting life. I'm pretty new to saying to someone, hello, come to my house, sit in my room that I kind of use as a studio, and I'll take pictures of you. That's a fairly new development for me in my practice. And then we just chat. I hope that it goes both ways. I learned a lot about Geetha's amazing life. She's doing all sorts of cool stuff. I mean, she's 22 and traveling all over the place. So, <laughs> so yeah, like that's what we do. When I'm shooting at a family's house, I also talk a lot. I'll chat with them. Of course, I stop and take pictures. But I think a lot of people might mistake that for, is this person even doing the job I hired them to do? But really, it's like, it's how I operate. It's how I live my life. And I take pictures, you know, as I go. Yeah, it's it's part of it. It's just you don't really think of it as something that needs to be done, but you get much better photos out of it as a result. Hopefully, yeah. It's kind of, it's my MO. It's just to like be a charming person or what I hope is charming and like, <laughs> you know, disarm people in that way and, you know, have a nice time. And going to people's houses and meeting them is part of the fun. Like if you're if you're lucky enough to get hired sometimes to go, like be a documentary photographer, uh, for the afternoon or, or take photographs of a family for an afternoon. It's great. You know, you, it, again, I'm using this word voyeur and it's like the worst word to use when you're a photographer because people think you're a creep, but like, you're like, Oh, I get to go in these people's houses. (laughs) And it's also a privilege because they've been like, yes, come into my house and take pictures of me and my family, like in our living room. That's a big deal. Absolutely. I actually wanted to ask you about that. Like what, cause as a photographer, you're, you're right. You, you have that unique privilege of being exposed to someone's very private life as a stranger mm-hmm. and you you're 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 kind of a fly on the wall to some degree like how mm-hmm. how does that feel well I think the fly on the wall thing I don't think it's true at least it's not for me right because of who I am I can't deny my own personality <laughs> as like a relatively extroverted chatty person fair enough so I just have to accept that about myself and, th- and and even if you're not, even if you are kind of that like super stealth photographer who doesn't say anything, you're still changing the atmosphere in there, right? You can't, people still know you're there. Mm-hmm. People are still aware that you're taking photographs. So I think what I try and do is just to get people to relax. They're not going to know I'm not there. <laughs> I'm not going to be invisible. But if they relax enough around me, they'll think, okay, she's, she's fine. You know, and I'll just keep doing my thing. I mean, I I did a family shoot just after Christmas and there was a bunch of kids there. It was like a big extended family all together. And all the kids started taking pictures with their parents' cell phone cameras. Mm -hmm. And so they were all like, there's there's a photo girl here. That's one of them. uh, One of them called me a picture girl. (laughs) And so that was really fun. But I was definitely influencing the environment because they were all like, oh, you're taking pictures. I'm going to take pictures, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Inspire a bunch of little kids to Yeah, and then they all started like recording themselves, which I had never seen before, you know, and talking as though they were like they had vlogs. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It was really interesting. Wow. I wonder are there things in particular that you admire about other photographers? All the time. That you, like, <laughs> I mean, hopefully, but uh, is is there anything in particular where you're, like, almost striving for? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, no matter what, I'm always, I think anyone, eh, never mind, I'm not going to talk for anyone else. I'm always thinking, oh, I could do so much better. I, I could 
get more intimate photographs. I should have been closer. I think that's the biggest one. I should have been closer. Just, you know, really getting close to people because I feel nervous when I get that close. I feel like I'm invading their space too much. So that's a huge thing for me when I see people who take these like super intimate close-up photographs that just like show so much emotion or they're just so like in there. I think, oh, I should do that more because I know that it's a fear that I have. So I'm trying to overcome that fear. I mean, I admire so many different photographers out there. I'm always... There's so many people doing so much amazing stuff, either locally or internationally. You know, I, 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 it would be too long to like go over all the things that I think I could probably work on in my own stuff. But yeah, definitely, I'm always striving to be better mm. and thinking, oh, I should have done this differently at every shoot, every single shoot, every single one. <laughs> yeah, you go over everything. You're like, oh, I would like to try that again <laughs> yeah I wish I wish From... th this is good but I could have been close it, for me I have to like, at the risk of sounding like a broken record getting closer is like uh, do, do you find that that changes depending on the camera that you're using I pretty much use the same camera uh when I'm doing like with people I'm usually using my digital camera uh I in fact I heard Vieira say on her interview that she's been using the 24 a lot and getting them really close mm -hmm. and that's a great idea because if you want them to be any bigger than a P on the frame, you have to be close to them because they can't, the, um, it's so wide. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's a, her stuff. She's got some really engaging work, uh, using that approach. And yeah, I think if, um, I think it more changes, not with the camera that I have, but more so the people, right? So if I'm photographing people that I know or people that I'm really comfortable with, then I don't have those ideas of like, oh, I wish I'd gotten closer. I wish I had, you know, gotten a more intimate thing because I do get that, but it's more with client work and I'm getting better, mm -hmm. but like more, I want to be closer. I want to, um, I want it to be grittier, mm. not in a negative way, not in a like morose sort of way, yeah, but in a like real way. You're like, Hey, we're, we're in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I hear you. Do you find ever that you kind of like lose focus or drive and need to kind of kickstart yourself again or um, reboot? Like, is that a challenge that you've encountered? Oh, yeah, totally. Like I, I said earlier that I've like stopped and then always gone back to it. Even in the periods where I'm not stopped and I'm doing it and I'm in it, it's like an emotional roller coaster <laughs> all the time. It's like, oh, I'm the worst at this. I should never do this again. Oh, no, this is okay. I actually really like doing it. <laughs> do you just kind of ride through it or do you have like certain strategies that you use to try and get you back? Like how, how does that operate in your... I would say I probably ride through it and that the best way for me to get over it is to photograph more, mm. to just like work through it. I've always been like that. It's part, it's, it's all, it's all about your own personality and like what works for you. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of a like up and down, like ooh, kind of person anyway. And I'll feel really good about some things like a piece of work one day and then really terrible about it later and then think, oh no, it wasn't so bad. Like I'm, that's just part of my personality. So right. you, you have to work with what, work with what you got in that, oh. in that way. True. I'm wondering, um, so many things still, but, uh, how would so you've described yourself as quite outgoing and just you know chatty and uh, like to connect with people how do you think that's shaped your your work um or like how you approach something right i think i think in a negative way 
I think there are times when I could probably stop talking sometimes and like concentrate on what I'm doing. Like I would like to, um, occasionally be a bit more thoughtful. Like I am thoughtful during the shoots, but sometimes I just get so carried away with the conversation I'm having with the person that occasionally the camera comes second. And sometimes that's a good thing. Mm. And then other times I think, oh, maybe I should have been thinking a little bit more about what I was doing. Uh, but so far, I don't think photographically I've, there's been issues, but maybe there has been. Um, and I think as I get older, I definitely see a difference in my work and how I deal with things. Um, so I'm more confident. And I know that while I'm making these connections with people by talking to them and getting to know them, that I can still make good work. And that, in fact, the good work relies on that connection. Uh, and it's less me taking their picture and us and more making something together, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's changed the way my work looks or just how I feel about my work, hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, well, I uh, that would be curious to, to take a look at and mm -hmm. see, you know, go back and uh, try to remember, you know, how you were feeling about stuff. Although, you know, that stuff is always tainted by time, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I'm 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 really curious because I, I I really think people's different personalities are really interesting, and I remember seeing this couple. Um, and they were both photographers, wedding photographers, and the husband was very much like directive in how he, he was out there and he just wanted to, okay, this is what we're doing. This is what we're, you know, you take that ball, throw it at your brother, you know, and his wife was much more just stand back and take photos and just kind of not really engage or interact too much. And mm -hmm. it's kind of curious to see how that affects, you know, how that you know, changes how a person's work comes about. Mm -hmm. It really does. Yeah, that's really interesting because I engage with people. I'm definitely not a fly on the wall, but I also don't direct people, right? So I don't, I, like say if I'm at a wedding, I, I won't say during, you know, oh, can you go stand over there and do that and do these things? I won't do that. So I have this weird, I run the, I, I kind of cross the line or I stand on the line between documentary and like really pose stuff because I don't really pose people but I also can't call myself documentary because I'm talking to them the whole time and they know I'm there and I'm not being really like fly on the wall so um I'm just going to ask you a couple more questions uh before we wrap up um what do you think is your most worthwhile investment that you've made and that can be like time or energy or money like or even just habits that you've made that have really pulled their weight in terms of your work and how you approach it or your workflow. Does that, is that question make sense? No, it does. Um, I mean, I've never been a gearhead. I've never been a person who's interested in equipment in as far, I mean, I'm interested in it in as far as what it can do for me for the job, but I'm not like spewing specs and stuff. And sometimes I'll be totally honest. Sometimes when I read long camera specs of like modern digital cameras. I think, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> um, so I would say for me, the investment would be time. Um, and just shooting, like shooting, you just have to shoot. Like you just have to go out and make photographs. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of someone's photographic career, they'll all be terrible <laughs> and then they'll get better. And that's because you were just practicing, like, you know, 
you were just shooting all the time and it becomes like second nature like i said about being photography being intuitive holding a camera being intuitive knowing when you want to take the picture being intuitive and reflexive and you know taking a picture without even looking through the viewfinder all of that stuff comes with time and as you get more comfortable with a camera and having it with you if that's how you want to express yourself and like live your life then yeah you have to put the time in that's good advice (laughs) and then I guess my last question is if you were in my chair and you were interviewing someone whose work you admired what would you ask them oh that's a good question so do you know who Nan Golden is no so she doesn't have a website uh, she's still like alive and working, but I think she just works within the kind of traditional art world and is represented by a gallery and stuff. So okay. as far as I know, there's no website for her, but I was obsessed with her in university. She was like the lady who I wanted to be. She was essentially a photographic diarist. She took pictures of her friends in her life, which is what I did. I was like a, I was like desperately trying to copy Nan Goldman, Nan Golden, at least in the way she did things. I just thought she was super brave because her stuff was uh, very vulnerable and and really naked and really raw and I guess I would ask if I could talk to her I would ask her like how she kept on photographing her life through a lot of terrible experiences that she had you know because you know she had you know there's times she went through some rough patches (laughs) yeah and so she that I mean it seems like that's what she she used photography to like you know, help her through it. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I would just, I could, I would ask her a million things, but, uh, definitely like how she kept on going, how she kept on taking pictures mm. through that sort of thing. That's so interesting. What a, yeah. To talk to someone like that about just the vulnerability in their work is, mm-hmm. is such a curious topic in itself. Yeah. And, uh, before we go, do you want to tell us where we can find your work? Oh, sure. Yeah. So my website is uh, www.lizography.com. So it's L-I-Z-Z-O-G-R-A-P-H-Y. I think I spelled that right. <laughs> and you could just Google Liz Cooper Photography. And um, my Instagram is Lizouse, L-I-Z-Z-O-U-S-E. Um, yeah. And that's where you can find me. You can email me. I'm also on Facebook, but you can find me like through those two things. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for coming in and chatting with me. It was really rewarding and an interesting conversation. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it too. Thank you very much. And there we go. Thank you so much for listening. Again, if you want to check out Liz's work, uh, links will be up on the Facebook page. Um, Just search at CFRC Depth of Field in the search bar and my page should pop up. And there's also a link to my SoundCloud playlist that I made so that you can listen to the episodes there as well. If you want to go through CFRC, just go to cfrc.ca, click listen, program schedule, and then depth of field, and it'll give you the latest show. So thanks again for listening. See you next week.